Welcome to VG Empire, episode 117. I'm your host, Brett Elston. And once again, joined by Spencer Nielsen. Thank you so much, Brett. Good um, to be here. Uh, the last episode, we talked all about your prior work on games like Echo the Dolphin, mm-hmm. Spider-Man vs. the Kingpin, and Batman Returns. But I would be remiss in my duties if we did not have a whole show just about Sonic CD. Ah, um, that's cool. But so, I mean, the song that brought us in is the Sonic Boom. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is kind of, if you don't know, like the Sonic CD Japanese version had its own soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And then when it came to America, Sega of America, I think, wanted to go for a different tone. Right? Yes, exactly. I had, um, I, it was a Monday morning. I never forget it. And I got called into a meeting with um, one of our vice presidents and, and uh, Joe Miller, who was uh, the head of the, the Sega studio at the time. Mm-hmm. Fantastic, uh, brilliant creative mind and, and and technical mind he'd been with nasa and all kinds Jeez. of crazy stuff. i mean the great thing about the old school game guys they're all you know they were all rocket scientists you know mm-hmm. literally they'd help put the sh- the the shuttle in space wow. some of them so but anyway <laughs> they they just gotten back from japan and had previewed um sonic cd and were you know talking about bringing it to america and how they would do that and uh joe and, and i think some colleagues have just didn't weren't feeling the soundtrack huh. and and um i don't know what you know what they were basing that on. it was very dancey it was very yeah. uh, if you've heard it you know, i'm sure you have um i i like it but it, it's it's really electronic and 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 joe was feeling like here's an opportunity to do something really different the sonic story is taking mm-hmm. a, a new little twist and you know let's try to differentiate ourselves a little bit from what's just being pushed out of japan mm-hmm. um and so they gave me the green light on it and said, you've got like seven weeks. I mean, I had no time at yeah, all to do all, this because yeah. they were already planning the release. And, and uh, I mean, I, I hardly slept. I hardly went home during yeah. the soundtrack uh, creation for this. And so, again, I just pulled this kind of the same team together of people that was uh, were really dependable. Yeah, but you mentioned then, uh, Dave Young and Mark Crew. Yep, Dave mm-hmm. Young um, and uh, and um, the whole group of people that um, – that, and. It was actually Joe Miller who mm. came in one night and said, he goes, you ever thought about, you know, adding, I said, I want to add some vocals to this. He said, well, I, I know a vocal group that I've been following for mm-hmm. a while called Pastiche. Mm-hmm. And he said, they're very talented and, and uh, very versatile. And he goes, why don't you just have lunch with them and see what you think? So anyway, long story short, I, I got together with Pastiche and, and we had, you know, had a great time and I could tell they were good collaborators mm-hmm. and, and they had tons of talent and so anyway, we, we, we bonded and, and I brought him on board to add the kind of the female vocal mm-hmm. parts to, to the soundtrack. And then Dave and I went about um, Sterling Crew, I think, is, is he went by Sterling. Um, mm. he, he took on the, the, a lot of the, because we had so much work to do, um, he took on the, uh, I think it was the future, no. I, I, there was a different kind yeah, of so I, parallel yeah. level. Yeah, I'll set it up really quick. Yeah. So the game, unlike you know, every Sonic game of the, that era, had like Act One, Act Two, and the first game had Act Threes. But Sonic CD was notable because it, it was a different team that worked on Sonic Two. Like these mm-hmm. teams kind of split, and you got like two Sonic Twos in a way. And Sonic Two is the game everybody played on Genesis, whereas Sonic CD. You have the main song. The, the amount of music in this game is absolutely insane, by the way. There's the present, mm-hmm. and then you can go to the future, and there's a good future or a bad future. All right. of these are different songs, right. and you can also go into the past, and that's a different song. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, yeah. And, and all of these will try to have, like, riffs on the present tune, mm-hmm. and then so the past one might be a little bit more primitive, or the future one might be more dystopian if it's a bad future, or mm-hmm. really jubilant if it's a right. good future. But right. a ton of music for... Basically, like you need four tracks per stage, and yeah. that's a lot of music. Yeah, it was a it was a huge project, and that's why Sterling had had kind of surfaced and, and was a very creative gentleman, and and you know he he had kind of a different view of of what he wanted to do. So it made sense for us to take different parts of the game mm-hmm. that were kind of un they were unrelated, but they didn't cross over. You weren't really going in and out of a you know a Sterling tune into my tune you know okay. in, in these different levels. So anyway, we we divided up the the tasks and 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 jumped on it. And again, just kind of put our heads down and, and ran for the finish line. Wow. And I remember many 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 early early mornings in the studio, all sitting around you know writing lyrics on the floor and <laughs> you know jumping into the studio while the vibe was still there and what people still yeah. had a voice and you yeah. know and and it was. Uh, it was quite an episode <clears throat> and we got it done and, and it was successful and we kind of moved on. And then, you know, years later, actually, it came to my attention that there was this big rivalry yeah. between the Japanese soundtrack and the American soundtrack, which I found would be really, you know, entertaining. And I mean, and it, it, is what it else. is. It's yeah. one of those things where I'm just surprised, like, I guess some people feel like they were cheated out of some soundtrack yeah. and now, therefore, the thing they didn't have is better. 
because they didn't have it. And I'm I'm definitely right. that kind of person where yeah. like grass is greener. It's like I want it because I don't have it. Right. I'm really bad about that. But yeah. this was a case where when I heard the Japanese soundtrack, finally I was like, oh, this is good. Yeah. But it is I good. still like the one I grew up with because I think it's great music. Yeah. So it I, is good, and that's the yeah. thing about it. I think if one were, you know, notably better or worse sure. than the other, it might be different. But they're so different they're, that yeah, the experience, even just being in the game, is so different that it, it's kind of cool because if yeah. you can come across that Japanese game, you've got a whole yeah. separate game. Really. Well, yeah, when they finally, when inexplicably, I was so happy to see it, but it came out on like uh, digital platforms yeah. in 2011. I think mm-hmm. maybe I think it was late 2011 like on Xbox 360 and mm-hmm. it came out on iOS like mm-hmm. uh, against and I played through half the game on iOS I never thought I would do that yeah but uh you could now play with either soundtrack mm-hmm. and that was the first time I could ever actually play and it was like playing a different game the, it was. the, the tone yeah. of the stages was so different with this much more kinetic music playing mm-hmm. than what I was associated with the Sega CD um, but again I guess this came from all the CD games at the time, well, like Echo, Spider-Man, Batman Returns, they got that treatment of, well, we want to use a completely different soundtrack than what the cartridge game had. Yep. So, And those had been, uh, well, they were all you, so they were very rock-focused or, or at least, mm-hmm. well, not Echo, but they just had a feel to them that was very different from mm-hmm. the cartridge game. So in this case, I'm guessing Sega of America was like, we want you to do that same yeah. treatment, even though there is a CD uh, soundtrack, it's still closer to a cartridge sound, I, yeah. I would guess, mm-hmm. or, or you know, I would equate it to more of yeah. that than uh, live instruments and stuff. Right? They they were you know they were saying, hey, we have an opportunity to do something different here, mm-hmm. and our music division is getting some publicity and some press, yeah. and 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 people are commenting on the soundtrack, which never really happened. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because the music wasn't as prem. Uh, prevalent as it was in right. these CD-based games, and the fact that people could listen to them without playing the game, they could just put in the, mm-hmm. the you know, the disc and, and listen to the soundtrack. So that they saw it as an opportunity. Especially Joe, he was a visionary, and he said, "Let's not let this opportunity go by. Let's see if we can do something really different." Mm-hmm. And and when you do that, you're you're not going the safe route. Mm-hmm. You know, the safe route would have been to bring over the the game with the soundtrack, and it would have done fine as a yeah. game, um, but it wouldn't have had a, a signature stamp of Sega of America. There you go. Yeah. And that had a lot to do with it too. Yeah. And that time Sega of America, they had to work the game. They had to yeah, sell it. They yeah. still had to promote it as if they had made it in house. Mm-hmm. And so they wanted a part of that to be something that they created mm-hmm. regionally, locally yeah. that they could get behind. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's great. I, I, I don't know if I mentioned it to you, Brett, but, and maybe you're aware of it. Um, of course I'm not, cause I don't mm-hmm. live in that world, but uh-huh. you know, just last year they did a tribute <laughs> album to the Sonic CD, mm. our soundtrack of Sonic CD, oh, yeah, not to the yeah. Japanese one, by artists from all over the world. Yeah. And it's really good. I mean, there's some of yeah. it that I, I find really, really uh, very inventive. Yeah, and, no, there's so many great remixes that, that are professional yeah, level. Exactly. I was yeah. blown away with the quality of the recordings and, yeah. and the compositions, the way they treated them. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's everything from super electronic dancey to heavy metal. And, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's great. So that was an honor. You know, when I heard yeah. that, this kid got in touch with me. I'm assuming he's a kid <laughs> younger than me. Um, got in touch with me from Australia, all places, and said, I don't even think you're aware of this because I don't see you post anything yeah. or and he sent me the a copy of it and i was blown away no it struck this this era really because this is also important to know if you weren't alive for it the sega versus nintendo yeah uh rivalry was up. a way that like I, i'm so glad there wasn't an internet because if people yeah, are ruined it if people are as angry get as angry as they do now over consoles that are v- much more similar than they are different i can't even imagine how oh. like because we would get, like, we were very immature at the time because I was 12 or whatever, 13. But, like, we'd get in actual fights at school over, like, Sega, Nintendo, blah, blah, blah. Did you see that commercial? Nintendo sucks. And I'm, like, secretly like both. And I would just, like, I'll go with whatever's in the yeah. room. Thank you. Yeah, right. Um, but to to have this, like, a Sonic game that embraced, oh, it's got these animated openings. It's got this vocals track. It's yeah. got this music that sounds like with, with real instruments. It was just, like, this... Man, Sega is killing it. Yeah, and it, it this these like this and like this and Spider Man and Echo and Batman all hit in like the same twelve month period, mm-hmm. and to have like bam 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 to have yeah. all this stuff, it just we talked about last episode. You mentioned Bear McCreary was yeah. like really inspired and influenced by this time period, and I yeah, think that that like there's a good reason for that. Like these games are so close together and on a platform that 
not that many people played. So yeah. if you were lucky enough to have access to a Sega CD, like I, I got one pretty late in the game when mm-hmm. it was getting marked down heavily, but a, mm-hmm. a friend had one and I would just go over and we would just play Spider-Man and Sonic CD. And I actually bought Sonic CD with like lawn mowing money or something mm-hmm. or birthday, not birthday money, but mm-hmm. uh, I bought it just to listen to the soundtrack. I didn't have a Sega CD, but because it was a red book, I'm like, I just want it as a CD. Oh, that's cool. So that's where I'm coming from, where how right. much I like the this version before I even heard the Japanese one. Um, but what I wanted to do in this episode is pretty different from what we normally do. I usually like queue up three songs, we talk about it, and we come back. But in this one, because there's so much music. I mean, I feel like I could do two episodes just about Sonic CD because there's so much music in it, and it's all good. What I wanted to do in this case was play the present form of each of these stages because that's you could kind of look at that as the default song mm-hmm. that then the past and good and bad futures riff on, right. and they all kind of feed back into that. But I was going to play yours first the U.S. version, mm-hmm. and then the Japanese one right after it. Oh, and then cool. we can come back and just right be on. like, yeah, you know, what did you think? What do you think they were thinking? Uh, mm-hmm. The Japanese uh, was Naofumi Hataya, who I believe worked on things like Golden Axe 2 and 3, Rub Rabbits, mm-hmm. were, I think is still working to this day in various capacity on like the Sonic and Mario Olympic games, um, as well as work with uh, Masafumi Ogata. Um, but we'll listen to, we'll start with Palm Tree Panic, which is the you know requisite Sonic uh, green stage that opens mm-hmm. up every Sonic game. Uh, But yeah, this is Palm Tree Panic, uh, U.S. and Japanese version.
yeah, nothing so, wrong with it. No, yeah. nothing wrong with that at all. Like yeah, I, I, love I, I love both. Like the the Japanese soundtrack is. It reminds me of a racing game. It's yeah. very like, yeah, it's Sonic. Let's go. Let's run. Let's have fun. And it's yeah. in, it's the first stage. It's easy. So you should want to have fun with that. Mm-hmm. But what I liked about yours is uh, it's just, it's a party. Yeah. Like it is a live instrument jam session. It is. With acoustic and that's guitar. what it was. Yeah, yeah. Like how much of that, like who's, you mentioned like his is pastiche have anything to do with these aspects or that's just the sonic boom song or um pastiche was on a lot of tracks a okay. lot of times there were vocal effects oh, yeah, and things of, like that yeah yes you know with the big thick harmonies and that mm. was all live and mm. we worked those intricate parts out and yeah. yeah um and then they sang lyrics on mm-hmm. on uh, but we wanted a, a a female voice almost like an instrument okay. well, very much like instruments throughout right. the soundtrack and so they were they were a big part of a lot of these tracks in the present. Yeah, know, yeah. The, the sonic present. So I noticed also there's no... The past songs in the U.S. version are... Because like the Red Book Audio, you put the CD in a CD player and you can play the music. But none of the past songs were on the CD because in the U.S. version, the past is all still the Japanese song. Exactly. Was that, there a reason why... It was all political. Oh. <laughs> it was... They, they, they... From what I understood, they you know demanded to be part of the soundtrack right. even in America. I mean... I and it, and, it, and I I totally can too. Yeah. And again, I I didn't get involved in the politics. Right. I, my job was to write music yeah. and produce music, and that's what I did. Um, and uh, it did get political sometimes, and yeah. that, that's just part of business, you know. It in is. any way, yeah. It's I mean, it's funny. Like anything you think of that you enjoy, whether it's like I love Ace Attorney or I love watching Game of Thrones. Like yeah. if it's if there's business involved, there's probably some heated arguments and controversy. Some bad blood yeah. And yeah. People get over it and make the thing, and that's just how it works. That's kind of the way I look at it. Is if I can, like I, I mentioned earlier, if I can look back and and be proud of the work that we did and remember mm-hmm. good times yeah. with the people, and and uh, and the nice thing about doing work like this, I remember uh, reading about Steve Jobs telling this to John Lasseter when mm-hmm. he first began to work at, with them at Pixar, and he's he said, "What I love about what you guys do is long after you're gone, mm. people can still have an emotional connection to what you did, what you yeah. created." You know whether it's a movie, uh, mm-hmm. you know, or a or a soundtrack or a song, and that's what Steve Jobs I think missed about his work was that it, it didn't leave a legacy of creativity the way that he saw himself mm. as a creative person, and he always in, he was always inspired by artists because they had that you know innate ability to just focus on on you know uh, something that was coming from inside, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it's indelibly stamped on people, yeah. and you don't realize that. And I, I didn't realize that because mm-hmm. I worked in the studio all the time. We didn't go out and tour and watch yeah. people sing along, with, yeah. you know, with lighters to every <laughs> you know every uh, tune that we did. Yeah. But when you saw them at conventions and when they would meet yeah. you on the street and stuff, you realize the impact. And, yeah. and when I met Barrett, really kind of hit home. Yeah, because yeah, this is stuff that I've carried with me like listening to the cd as if it yeah. was a cd like oh because in the 90s you know i would be like what cd am i going to listen to while i do whatever it was Drive i was doing work, yeah. yeah and it's like oh i'm gonna take sonic cd with me mm-hmm. i treated it no differently and it yeah stuck with me i appreciate it one thing i noticed about palm tree panic though is that song doesn't sound very panicked it no sounds like a good time i think they had too many margaritas to be panicked <laughs> uh moving into the next section is uh collision chaos which uh, is the second map, and it's the if you know Sonic, it's this you know what is it, Spring Yard Zone or Casino Night? It's the very neon, mm-hmm. uh, ridiculous, garish colored one. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, same deal. We'll Beautiful play. art in this game. This, yeah, the game looks incredible, and it's it's probably my favorite Sonic game to be honest. Yeah. I love the time travel aspect. I think it's a really clever idea. And and they were able to keep it fast, even though it was loaded up off the, the CD-ROM. Yeah. It didn't lose that speed, which I think was yeah. a big key to its success. And I'm guessing just load the whole level in memory. Exactly. And there's a tiny loading screen when you time travel, yeah. but it works as a great transition because you're like, oh, here's a graphic of him moving through time, which is secretly loading. Right. Uh, it's just a very... They, they were very inventive, and it also yeah. gave us a lot of opportunity with the music. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's so much game. of it in yeah. here. Uh, so, yeah, we'll do Collision Chaos. This is a uh, U.S. version and Japanese version.
so wow. Those couldn't be more different from each no, other. No, they could not. Uh, the Japan one, though, I love. I love because of like. If you wanted to summarize, what was music like in 1991? That's it. Like, that's the sound that, that kind of just... Like, that very... I don't know what you would... It's a shuffle. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Like, that was on the radio. That's yeah. what was... Like, kind of Streets of Rage takes some cues from yeah. that at times. Yeah. And It was very popular, I think, in Japan. And, yeah. and again, that's hence where you get the, yeah. the influence, right? It's like early 90s mixed with, like, the percussion of, like, a stomp the yard. Like, it right. does sound like almost trash cans banging on each mm-hmm. other. Not in a derogatory way. Just, like, it has very hard-hitting... Mm-hmm. And then yours is, like... I almost get this super crisp and clear, clean, crystalline yeah. thing, which is ironic given that a stage later is Quartz Quadrant. Yeah, right. Uh, but you mentioned... Uh, yeah, Sterling Crew, yeah. Um, composer primarily on this piece, and he pulled together a fantastic uh, group of musicians. And as I mentioned, I, I can't remember his name, I'm spacing on it, but percussionist was from the group Santana. And That's nuts. Sterling had actually played with Santana quite a bit, and, and so he had a relationship there. And so again, we just... Sega was really willing to, and the individuals. You know, you say Sega; it's it's a group of people. Yes, people. Yeah, yeah um, not a company, but they they were willing to invest and take risks in the area of music, which was so refreshing. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, because to this day, it's one of the areas that gets cut early. Mm-hmm. You know, budgets are you know mm-hmm. reined in. You know, they, the scope of the work is reduced. Whatever it is, whether it's a film or a commercial or sure. a game. Um, it's nice when people have respect to the level where they're willing to let you take some chances and yeah. bring in other people and all that stuff. So, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, feel the same way. And again, mine always comes back to just making it available to buy. Like uh, that's where I keep coming back to is like, if you people are gonna download stuff on the it. internet, yeah. you can't stop that. But you know how much uh, you know how much money you make or credit you can give when you don't make it for sale. Zero. Yeah, exactly. Nobody gets anything. So yeah, nothing. A, yeah. Hundred percent of nothing is nothing. Yeah, it's a, it's a sore spot for me. I get angry, mm-hmm. getting my blood's getting hot. <laughs> uh, so we'll move ahead into Tidal Tempest, which is another you know requisite uh, Sonic stage is always underwater where you have to get air bubbles and the stage will slow down a lot. It, it's almost well, it's intentionally like well, what if Sonic can't be fast? You know, what is what mm-hmm. do you do in that stage when he's underwater? This is one of my favorite tracks. So this is very dancing. I think there's some vocals in this mm-hmm. one, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. very like uh, just. What acapella kind of exactly like, just like, the kind of beat yeah, textures and and yeah. little highlights and yeah little. um it does have that echoey underwater feel mm-hmm. uh, that is so prevalent in game music and that's one of the things I love about game music is you can identify like oh this is a water stage or yeah. this is a this is a cave or something mm-hmm. and it's just a cool idea we take it for granted because like oh it's the cave stage great mm-hmm. here we go though how about a minecart and a lava level while we're at it right and, but but when you can tell <laughs> through the music like. Hmm. That you can convey the idea of cold or windy or hot with music, it's like that's a that's a cool thing. Um, yeah, and and I like the, the what was it the, the future of this one? Oh, okay. I, this is also one of my favorites. Oh, future this title was, Tempest. Yeah, this is one of my uh, my uh, favorite levels. Yeah, like this is the thing. Like I, there's so much music. At some point in the future, I'll probably do another episode that's just like the past and future versions because <laughs> there's so much. Yeah, but yeah. I had to limit it somehow. Um, and then the Japanese one, uh, actually, yeah, we can talk about it when we come back. But I feel like these are like the closest, maybe the closest thematically because it's water. So that probably inspires people on the same right. plane. But uh, this is Tidal Tempest, uh, U.S. and Japanese version. <laughs>
both going for that uh, underwater you know, feel. Exactly, and I'm listening to it now because I never, I never a beat them like this. Oh yeah, ever. That's why I thought this would be fun. So, and I never heard the Japanese soundtrack before I recorded mine. Right. Which yeah. is so weird that we both use the shuffle beat almost yeah. the same tempo <laughs> for that level. That's wild. I mean, like, yeah, because I, like, I guess when you're when you're thinking about. Oh, I need to have something that gets an aquatic vibe across. Yeah. But also, the, again, the popular sound at the time was that shuffle noise. And yeah, like, yeah. I guess it, it, parallel thought at some point is going to happen. And as we were talking about during the break, um, a lot of the sounds in there are vocal sounds that we text, you know, that we we treated and textured, yeah. and, and they're doing you know, the pastiche girls are doing effects yeah. and things with their voices that are really unique and, and yeah. added to the kind of the bubbly sound of that. Yeah, and there's track. like I subtly noticed that as a teenager and and as a adult growing up listening to it, but that knowing now when we're listening to it with headphones and intently paying attention to it, you were pointing out like that's there they are, there they are. I'm like I never even equated that with a human being and yeah. knowing that's them alive in a on a mic yep. like making yep. noise like that's adding this other layer to it that's yeah. really cool. It really did I think subtly and 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 kind of subconsciously add a whole different level of of uh, yeah. fun and authenticity to it. Yeah. Uh, next is Quartz Quadrant. Uh, we'll uh, play these really quick. So this is the next stage after that. And I don't think there's a lot of, uh, like Sonic 1 and 2, I don't think there's any other equivalent, like, you know, geology style, right. like uh, rock class or right. whatever. With the play. gems. and Yeah, yeah. gems. I don't, I don't think, th- I think this might have been the first Nothing's Jumping Out at Me. Maybe, yeah. But we'll do, anyway, we'll uh, do these two songs from uh, U.S. and Japanese version of Quartz Quadrant.
sound to me, and I'm totally speculating here, but I don't think that the Japanese um, team were given the same freedoms that we were mm. from a musical standpoint. Because I know I've met a lot of composers over the years, and you know, Japanese composers are no different than Czech composers or German composers or American composers in that they they will stretch with what they're given mm. musically. And and I, I think it's just my sense that they were, you know, they were held with a fairly tight range musically and creatively mm. and had to create with, with keyboards and synthesizers because mm. there's no live tracks. Right, right. Even though they could have because it's CD. Oh, they have gorgeous studios and incredible musicians. Yeah. And so I just don't, I don't think it was either, it was by design where mm. they said we want a fully dance electronic yeah. score or um, it was predicated on schedule and budget and all the other things that we have to deal Could with. Could be. So. And then when Sega of America saw it, they're like, well, we're going to spend money. and Well, they had already invested in me. Yeah. You know, they had invested studio. in the studio. Yeah. You know, they, they were really invested in, in music yeah. as a platform and as an equal, not you know, different, but equal kind of uh, creative <laughs> Uh, um, that is venture. One of the, yeah, that is one of those great uh, self-fulfilling prophecies of like, well, well, we built this studio. Build well, it and we, they will come. We have to use it now. Yeah, and right, you're like, exactly. You're going you're to make me waste all this money I spent? Exactly. Um, it was good you, for me. It was job yeah, security. That's great. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like the dance piano that came in, that's, mm-hmm. that, and that song had like every... Every great thing I love about like Japanese arcade music, where mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, here's an orchid, here's a, a dance piano, here's yes. just exactly just everything horns, and yeah. yeah. And when you're playing a Sonic game, it's like, well, yeah, I want to go nuts and have fun and bounce around. And again, that opening, the animated opening of this, which was I think by Toei Animation, so it's very well done. Really and it well was, done for the I think day. it hit before even the first cartoon hit. Mm-hmm. It did with Jalil White, yep. I think. Yeah. So this was like the first. This time led we, to that. Yeah. So we yeah. saw, and it and it was not. It, this is way more anime style than the cartoons we got in the US. Right. Um, so to see Sonic bounce around in those animated scenes of like between rocks as they're falling, it was like, mm-hmm. wow, that's like that informed what I what I thought was so cool about Sonic. And that's why Sonic CD to me is my favorite one because I'm like, no other game makes me feel as cool as Sonic CD did because in my mind, I was doing the things he did in those cutscenes, even though it was the same game, basically, right. as you played on Genesis. You run left to right, and you jump up and down, but again... And it also yeah. predated the the 3D uh, Z-axis yes, yeah. um, that was to come. Yeah. yeah you know, even though it was, an, or it was a cut, you know, it was a cutscene, uh-huh. still it... it it was a precursor to what we were going to get yeah. with that, that added Z-axis in yeah. future Sonic games, which and I later, thought was cool. Yeah, and later games would add, like, a, you jump in the air and it'll target the enemy and you hit a button and Sonic, like, zips at it. And right. it's kind of what he's doing like in that cartoon. Yeah, exactly. And so to see that, I don't know. That, well, it added kind of a, it added more of a story element. And I, and again, you know, yeah. my, my world for the last 20 years has been about storytelling, mm-hmm. whether it's in mm-hmm. music or film or, I mean, I own a company that, that, called Illumina Studios that creates stories for just incredible science that's being done, mm. you know, with 3D animation and music. And, and you know, so scientists can help tell their stories because they're changing the world, right? Mm-hmm. But that's what this is all about. And those cut scenes gave Sonic a story. Yeah. It, 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 it you know, it, or it, it enhanced the story yeah. and the level that was to come because you got this little glimpse of another yeah. treatment. He's running up this giant chain. It's like, why, yeah. what's that planet doing? Why right. is it, why is it tethered to this even bigger planet? Exactly. And like just the, the, the effort that Sonic has to go through to get up there is also, you want to cheer for him as a hero because mm-hmm. you're like, Oh, he's not so fast that he can like just, you know, it's almost not like a given. The, yeah, yeah, he's still got it with with huge effort. He's making it between all these falling rocks, and it's like this is so cool. And now he's got a sidekick. Yeah, you know, uh, I think this is Amy's first appearance. Amy's for that. Hence the girls in the yeah. soundtrack. That yeah. was the whole. Oh yeah, whole idea. Uh, so yeah, I think they actually show up a lot in this next song, "Wacky Workbench." Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is the U.S. version. Uh, and Japanese version of wacky work, but this stage is very like filled with bumpers and mm-hmm. bounce, and you end up bouncing from the ceiling to floor a lot. Mm-hmm. So it's very acrobatic and ridiculous, pinbally, pinbally. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. it's very. Uh, it, even though we already had collision chaos, this is like <laughs> it's a different spin on the idea of being bounced around. But mm-hmm. uh, so this is wacky workbench, U.S. and Japanese version. <laughs>
that sounds right out of Streets of Rage almost. Yeah, like yeah. just very like almost dark and seedy. Mm-hmm. Of like, all right, we're gonna go beat some people up. Like, yeah, yeah. And then yours, that yeah, just the 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 backing vocals, that reggae kind of breakdown in the mm-hmm. middle. Like that was just it's a ton of fun in a stage where it's built around bouncing and like being being like careening around the room. It's it's very fitting. Yeah, I think their composers heard the same things we did. To, yeah, to, to key on. Yeah. And then uh, after this is Stardust Speedway, which is this is one of those things where it sucks because I really want to play the future because that's probably the song you get you hear we get brought up a lot is the fu- the bad future of Stardust Speedway yeah. is where you race Metal Sonic and it's a really cool stage and just a great song. Yeah. Uh, I might sneak it in there anyway, uh, but for the purposes of the show, I'll at least do really quick U.S. Japanese Stardust Speedway. And then uh, I'll probably go ahead and throw in the uh, future one. Just a little taste of it. Just because it's too good. Like, it's it's one of my favorite songs in the whole game. Uh, and, and it's set during a race where it's very, like, tense of, like, are you going to make it or not? Right. Metal Sonic's totally cheating and, like, blowing through you and, and invincible. And it's it's a really cool stage. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's listen to these two, uh, Start a Speedway, and we'll be right back. different uh yeah i was gonna say those might be the two most different but the next one is even crazier uh but before but yeah uh, really quick about those two like the start of speedway everything about this stage is a great stage to begin with i just think it's a really cool design and then every song in this is like among my favorite in the whole game i don't mm-hmm. know what it was about this stage that inspired like because the pa- uh, also probably pay the play the past on this as mm-hmm. well um because the Japanese and the U.S. soundtrack, like, 
I don't know. Something about this stage got the best, some mm-hmm. of my favorite tracks in it. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what it was. But, yeah. Or if you remember writing these. Or... I, I do. I mean, the visuals, like as you mentioned, we did have that to look at. Mm-hmm. It was one of because we were coming in so late. It's like a racetrack in the sky. Kind yeah. Of deal, really yeah. cool. I, I was really inspired by the by the look of a lot of these worlds mm-hmm. um, because we had so little to go on at that point. It was just like yeah. grab inspiration where we get them. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, that was definitely one of them. I love the art in this, yeah, and the, and the gameplay in this particular scene. And I was mentioning that harmonizing sound; like it adds this different quality to this track. That we, we've had a lot of, you know, vocal, you know, um, accent pieces here and right. there to like give the songs a little bit more uh, fun feeling. But this one, it almost has. I almost get like a just certain Chrono Trigger songs or certain hmm. JRPG songs that kind of sustain this like, uh, or right. like Mario Kart sixty four. Mm-hmm. It's a random one, but. It just was mm-hmm. popping in my head. Like they they would do things like that to add a, a little bit air of seriousness, mm-hmm. but while the song itself is really fun. Yeah. Um, and the Japanese one again is like this great grab bag of like what is going on right now in the nineties <laughs> and hip hoppy stuff in there. Yeah, and, and I keep going back to that, but that's just that's really the most you can say. Like it is, it's grabbing like that sound of that era. And, it's a snapshot of what and, was happening. Yeah, and it's really fun. I think it's it's such that's why that's why it's fun playing these side by side. Is like both of them are achieving their goal it's just a different mm-hmm. way of doing it exactly um, but kind of going to break format here a second but I do want to play the Stardust Speedway past Japanese because uh, it's such a great it has a great piano breakdown and then the Stardust Speedway future because it it's my favorite song in the whole game so cool. really quick we'll go into those and we'll be back <laughs> I probably listened to that song a thousand times, and only just now when you mentioned like, oh, those backing the, the harmonies in the background, I've never noticed that. Yeah, and that a lot of layers mind. here. You said what six? At least five. six tracks of Man, of the girls and that's and crazy. Different harmonies, yeah. Like it's just these subtle things that I've I knew that it was good and that I liked it, but being able to pull that out, I, I somehow I never picked that out. But yeah, those weren't uh, for the purpose of the episode. Those weren't both doing the same thing. The past was when you activate the time travel device mm-hmm. in the stage, you go back to the past. And if you can find there's like a machine in the ba- in the past that is uh, trapping animals, and you'll also find a metal sonic hologram that is like menacing the area. And if you 
find and destroy those in the past in Act 1 and Act 2, then you get Sonic made a good future. Right. And then in the Act 3, you now go to the good future version instead of the bad future. And with the song we heard for Stardust Speedway that just brought us in was the good future, or sorry, the bad future, future. where you have to race Metal Sonic in this kind of, you know, Tron-ish dystopian Mm -hmm. look. And there's like very cool background and it's at night and it just has such a great feeling of like a drag race or something. Which it basically is. Yeah. And uh, well, the last uh, segment we'll do here is Metallic Madness. Mm. This is by far the two complete polar opposites of what they're what they're going for. And this is like my favorite like smash cut to the, the two versions. <laughs> the but, mashup. Yeah. Uh, the U.S. one is super dark, which I think is fitting because it's supposed to be kind of the final stage. And also you get that sense of this is what if, if Robotnik won – this is what he would do to the world. Is mm-hmm. it's all going to be metal and gears and industrial right. and and smoke and this pollution. Cool and, yeah. and this just sets that tone for like it. I remember this is a weird memory, but I remember being like thirteen and listening to this. I'd recorded it onto a cassette, and there was a cassette player in the kitchen, and I remember putting it in. Like oh, I'm just going to listen to a couple songs while I wait for my friend's mom to come pick me up, and I'm going to go hang out at his house all day. And we're probably going to play Sonic CD, so I'm going to listen to the song and get me pumped up. But because of where it was in the loop of me listening to the cassette, it was this song. And I remember sitting in the kitchen and at age like 13, like contemplating my mortality <laughs> and just like having such a weird like and then but being aware of like, why am I so sad? like this song really bummed me out? And I'm yeah. like, why am I thinking it's about dark. like life? And I'm only 13. Why? Why? I should it's hormones. Be, yeah, like, maybe. <laughs> I, I guess I was starting to get into that. But man, this, this song like always got to me is like, this is so sad. Yeah. Uh, and then the Japanese one is. I can't, I can't even I can't I it's and again I love it but I love yeah. it for completely different reasons and I'm someone who can like go walk through Japanese arcades and like just genuinely sincerely enjoy the cacophony of noise coming out of all the arcade games in there because they're just two different two different things but with the the the, the transition from yours to this one will be pretty harsh uh, just letting you all know <laughs> this is Metallic Madness from Sonic CD
So yes, uh, hard to believe those are on the same game, the same video game. Uh, but yeah, again, you mentioned Spencer was or not Spencer Sterling, Sterling was on uh, the this one. Yeah, that was his composition, and he. Um, Again, he was really going for a dark theme with that, and the yeah. sounds that he chose and the guitar tone that yes. he chose was very, uh, very dark, and it and it worked. Yeah, you know, it worked really well. And then, like, as you mentioned, it it got it got to you. It got to me, man. Yeah, it's kind of scary. And then the Japanese one is is again, it's still sticking with this the, that mm-hmm. '90s sound we've had, but and then the vocals in there, which I think is the a spoken cool th- word. Yeah, yeah I, which I think is cool to do because uh, in the final stage uh, like the final zone mm-hmm. it's cool to do something that you're not expecting so yeah. when you hear those vocals come in it's like whoa this must this is important then. right and it adds this extra like fun drama to the stage right uh, whereas the US one is just like crushing you with this sadness <laughs> and, and like you know trying to sell a different thing but it's mm-hmm. like that's what I love about this is you can two people can look or two groups of people can look at the same stage of like okay so and and we'll just focus on different aspects of it. And one is, oh, dystopian future. If bad guy wins, he's going to, you know, crush all the trees and vegetation, right, and turn right. everyone into robots. That's a sad thing you can work with. But it's also like, all right, video game final stage, get pumped up. It's the final battle. Like, okay, then that song totally works. Yeah, and it dri- it's it's, yeah. it's definitely more of a driving song yes. too than the second one or yeah. than, than than the one we did. Yeah, um, that Sterling did. Um, but yeah, you're right. You get you get kind of two emotions. Yeah, one is kind of makes you more kind of darkly reflective, and the other one's like, oh shit, I better get going here. Yeah, yeah I better get get like, moving on and, my and my like, defense of this this yeah. level. Yeah, and you're in like the home stretch. You know, right. you're almost done, but it's like you know this is probably going to be the hardest battle you've right. got. So that's why there's this antagonizing vocals. Yeah, because like, yeah, come on and get me. Yeah, like, and, and it's hardly audible. You know, yeah, so you don't it, really know what is telling yeah, you. Yeah, right. and it's it's there's something like come and get me, or if he doesn't, I will. There's right, something yeah. in there. It's dark. It's it's fun. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's this show. That and that's just tip of the iceberg for this game, the soundtrack, because there's so much good stuff from both soundtracks. Uh, yeah, leave a comment on the site. I'd love to hear what everybody thinks of hearing them side by side like that. Uh, VGEmpire.com. I read every comment that goes on the site, so I always appreciate when uh, songs strike a chord with people. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if there's anything else you wanted to to give a shout out. Well, to. you know, again, I just want to you know make sure that everyone who worked on these gets ample credit because there yeah. was, it was it's definitely a village effort on all yeah, this yeah. stuff. Sterling, Dave Young, you know, Eric Frickman, Eric Martin, all those people, mm-hmm. girls in pastiche, everybody did a fantastic job and, you know, made it the lasting music that it really is. Yeah. I mean, I held the reins a lot of the time just because somebody had to. Yeah. But, nice uh, to be a ringleader. Yeah, exactly. But they also inspired me a lot. I wrote some mm-hmm. of the best music I've ever written, you know, in those days and, and uh, certainly have, you know, have enjoyed the... Mm-hmm the you know the feedback and the and the people who who were really moved by it yeah know? i assume sonic cd is probably the one that gets brought up the most when someone's like oh hey like oh yes. you're the guy who did sonic cd like i assume they lead with that or maybe that's just yeah probably because it was the most successful game of mm. the ones i worked on mm-hmm. um but uh musically echo also has because yeah. it's so unique um, yeah, from we, other game music. Yeah. You talked about that in the prior episode. Yeah. So if this is your first episode, I definitely encourage listening. Like the idea of making uh, a palette of instruments to use yeah. that wouldn't sound overly human, but could sound yeah. like did they come from the ocean? And right. It's exactly. a very cool story. Yeah. Um, but taking us out will be uh, well. Also, another quick shout out to the Japanese composers Naofumi Hataya and Masafumi Ogata. Uh, great work Fantastic. Uh, again going for different stuff but like I love game music in all its forms man yep. and, and hearing that it's like I get it yep. I, I totally understand what you're going for and it's really fun and, and I appreciate the hard work too I mean yeah. I know how much work it is to do these So, and I did an episode just about Golden Axe games 1, 2, and 3 so you can check that out from I think a couple years ago uh, great work on those and uh, but taking us out is the full Sonic Boom credits uh, which being rewarded with this when I beat the game, again, it's more animated cutscenes, mm-hmm. which back in the Sega CD days was the tiny, tiny, you know, little postage stamp sized yep. uh, full motion video playing. That's um, all it could handle. But it was these little vignettes of each of the stages yeah. while you hear this song about, like, Mr. Bad got it good, and, yeah. like, it's a song about the butt Robotnik being beaten. Yeah. And you get to watch the credits roll with this great song with this awesome guitar. Yeah, and we tried to, you know, believe it or not, we actually tried to have a little message in there. I mean, because yeah. Sonic really did, you know, he embodied, and, and to this day, a, a lot of positive things. Yeah. And, and I think there's, we have a lot of need for that, especially today. You know, yeah. I mean, back then, there were no first-person shooters. You know, we, there weren't yeah. overtly violent games. Mm-hmm. And I think the nice thing about the games in this era, and I think what connects people to them mm-hmm 
is the fun sense of, of fun. Them. The sense of fun, adventure, um, kind of wacky. You know, yeah. they, it, it wasn't sophisticated. None yeah. of it was. Yeah, you know, yeah, we were figuring out as we went, yeah. and I think people appreciated that. So I want to thank Brad and oh yeah, his partner Chris and and everyone for having me over today. It was a lot of fun. I yeah, hope I, I can come back sometime. Yeah, I am so glad we could finally do this because this like real talk. This is one of those things where I'm like, yeah, maybe I probably never get to talk to this person and figure out anything about these because I thought this was like super arcane knowledge and right. Did some internet searching and found out like it is an old IGN interview from years ago, I think, and mentioned like, oh, the Bay Area. And I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. yeah. And then just did some more digging and was like able to talk to Tommy Tallarico. Yep. And he's like, oh, you can check him out here. And so that all came together. So this is, uh, it's been really great for me. Uh, awesome. But I'm glad me you too. could make it. And I, I had fun talking about this and uh, each of these tracks, man. This was really good. Great. But well, yeah. Please, uh, if I can ever. Come back? I'm happy to. Oh, I would love to keep talking <laughs> Sonic CD. Uh, but yeah, taking us out again, this is the credits to Sonic CD. Uh, again, Pastiche doing the vocals. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you next time. Cheers. Cheers.